0: Hi marketing sweats fans thank you again for joining me for another episode i'm thrilled to be able to share this interview with tim van Hoof, vice president of marketing at country financial this season on the podcast you'll notice i have a few key leaders of insurance brands what we would call brands that focus on the quality of life of individuals but also support major regional business through their reps I love these brands because they sit at the intersection of what we would call the B2B buyer's experience and the B2C experience by offering policies to real people like you and me with the hometown feel that business people might want to sell their products. And let me tell you, to sell insurance, you have to believe in your cause, that you're actually helping people build and protect their lives. There's no better example of a leader who believes in his mission than Tim. He loves what Country Financial stands for. The company was formed in 1925 by a bunch of farmers who weren't getting the services they expected and deserved. And now Country has more than 3,000 employees and 2,000 representatives. When joining Country, Tim brought with him a wealth of experience from previous companies like State Farm, McDonald's, and Kaiser Permanente. And after spending an hour with Tim for this interview, it's easy to see why he held such big roles. He's a natural visionary and someone I'm excited to do business with in the future. So here you go, my time with Tim Benhoof. One of the first things I always like to do, Tim, before we dive into all your marketing prowess, is kind of understand your story. Tell me a little bit about your background, where you're from, how you grew up, all those things.
1: So I grew up in uh, a little town in Kimberly, Wisconsin. My dad grew up on a farm okay, and my mom grew up, her father started a coal yard, lumber yard, if you will. So two entrepreneurial families, if you will, or small business families. And so while both of them sort of left their respective family businesses, my dad and mom together started their own business. So I think that's part of just part of the DNA of our entire family, which is, is uh, sort of this entrepreneurial spirit. But more specifically than that, just the idea of kind of salt of the earth. People see an opportunity or a problem, want to lean in and, and try to work towards a solution. And so it's really a credit or it's their fault. I don't, I don't know which, that, <laughs> I think I'm wired the way I am. I grew up one of four boys. Sadly, I guess none of us ended up taking over the family business, which was home heating oil, auto repair, that kind of business. That said, I learned a lot just working there from you know the day you could get a worker's permit at. I think I was 12 years old and start working in the business and learning about clients or customers. But really sales and marketing and business was what I think I was wired for. And then, of course, got a family of my own, which is critically important. We've got four kids and my wife and I are now we're grandparents to our first grandson and granddaughter on the way.
0: Well, so much of that story resonates with me. My business partner, also named Tim, you know, kind of grew up on a farm in the family business, but always knew he was going to be an ad guy. He said, you know, from a young age, I just had that in me. So talk a little bit about your journey from college into your first career role. Talk a little bit about the businesses you work for and sort of what inspired you to take that path.
1: I would have graduated at a time, late 80s, early 90s, and job market wasn't ideal. That whole plastering your wall with rejection letters for interviews (laughs) and job opportunities. So it was a little bit of a struggle, and I think I went in there thinking, well, gee whiz, I'll graduate from college, you know, I've got this fancy business degree, and I'll get right into management. Clearly naive. And so really, for me, it was an opportunity to say, what what can I do to hone a craft? And I think Mm -hmm. while I had a passion for marketing, I knew how to sell. And so my first jobs were really on the sales side of the business predominantly. I worked in the industrial equipment business, selling dock levelers and trucking equipment and things like that. I became a a sales territory manager for an indoor air quality company. And I learned a lot there about being a manufacturer's rep. And then I went to work for a company out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, by the name of Coppers Industries. Okay. And my boss there, who has since passed John Cress, was a wonderful man. Who Did you ever have one of these people who really believed in you before you believed in yourself or really invested in you really yes. maybe before you deserved or <laughs> had proven you were worth the investment? He was one of those guys. So I started interacting with big utilities and railroads, which was very foreign to me, that big corporate environment. And then he said to me, listen, you had mentioned along the way that you wanted to go back, get an MBA, continue your education. And he said, after year three of talking about it in my annual review, he said, listen, if we sit down and have this conversation next year and you haven't moved on it, it's not going to be a good review. He literally <laughs> like, pushed me into it and said, we want to help you get there, but you got to do something first. But I did, I enrolled, I was accepted at Purdue in the Krannert School. The exposure to that level of just really talented people changed the trajectory of my career, quite frankly. And I happened to meet somebody there who was uh, working at a a company called State Farm. I knew a little about State Farm, but I didn't know much about it. One thing led to another and they were really starting to launch maybe a field marketing group. And so left where I was at and, and went to State Farm, really working in their marketing department. And I think also the agency side of the business, which then led me to leave State Farm, go work for the agency side with a company out of New York translation. But then also, I got to work on some amazing big brands that the NBA, Kaiser Permanente, McDonald's, it was just another facet of learning and understanding, being a student of what are these people doing that works and what are some of the things they've stubbed a toe on and how, what can I learn from that. And then flying back and forth to New York, I got to be a challenge for a family. Sure. And that's a critical thing for me is trying to make sure that I put them first. And so when the opportunity came to, come to Country Financial here in, back in Bloomington Normal, it was too good an opportunity to pass up.
0: So I have a similar experience in that I went and got my executive MBA at 25. And just the, the people that you network with totally, you know, change you. I was humbled in that experience. I was evolved, but it sounds like you followed the similar path. And I think it's awesome that you talk about family as a critical value. We'll come back to that later. Sure. Let's talk a little bit about your role at country, though. I introduced to our listeners this, the breadth of control that you have, like all the different disciplines and, and what ladders up to the VP of marketing role.
1: Sure, I love this company for a couple of reasons. One is who we are and what we, on our best day anyway, what we try to do. As I say it in common language, the goal here is really to help our clients live a life of meaning and purpose. and i mm-hmm. I know that probably sounds very grandiose, but but truly, when they work hard to have things of value in their life, we want to protect them. That's really that kind of that insurance side of the business. Sure. But then also, what is it you aspire to? Like, where do you want to be? What's that look like in the future? And you get to define it. We don't want to put that on you. And then we've right. got the investment side of our practice that says we want to help you get there. And so, first is the as Simon Sinek said, I love our why, which is really this idea of enriching lives in the communities we serve. It's it's about investing in communities and the people there and trying to help people self-actualize. So I, I love that. Second part is it's a great size of company. It's like We are a large enough company to have impact, but small enough in the sense that we get to, and I get to help craft where we're going and what we do in marketing, how it impacts the bottom lines. But marketing is on a bit of a journey here. I think we've probably, we've done okay marketing, I think over the last maybe five to 10 years, but you know, we're on, as I tell the team, we're on a journey to greatness. And if you read the book, a few years back, good to great. Yep. <laughs> the enemy of great is good. And so, good's not good enough. We're going to try to be great. And it's not just because I want to be, it's because that's what we committed to for our clients and that's what we committed to to the company. And so, within marketing, that really starts first with I've got a group that's really zeroing in on data, insight, and then they're the program management and planning team. They're the group that really leverages that understanding of the client, understanding of the business data and insight tethering that together, and then that group helps lead our marketing planning effort, program development, and execution. And then they track KPI. So that's my, that's my analytics, but also my business-minded group. And then I've got what I'll call a bit more of the classic marketing communication. So whether you call it earned, owned, uh, paid media, but PR, reputation management, the media side, content development across all, all channels, social, digital, that sort of thing. And then events and experiences. And really underneath of that or as a part of that is also just the brand. Now, we're not a traditional brand management kind of company. Like no one area owns the brand. Mm-hmm. But I would say that marketing in our brand group helps craft and put into words and sort of democratize to the company, who are we as a brand, reminding them, how are we going to come across in our words and our voice and our imagery? And then there's a what we call a CX group, which is relatively a recent phenomenon here is My boss actually in our reorg about a year, year and a half ago is the chief experience officer and she has the claims group, all the call center groups, and then marketing. So primarily all interactions with clients and prospects come through her group with the exception of the sales force. And then the final piece is I've got a group that's about, I'll call it cross-channel engagement. The vast majority of our products and services are sold and there's a relationship with a local rep. So in this group, they really help build and develop sales and marketing tools and platforms. They also help manage our web presence, countryfinancial.com and mobile. And then on top of that, we have two different call centers and sort of that online portal of how we're going to cast in it differently to grow in a more modern way all roles leading back to a long-term beneficial relationship with a local rep. But also knowing that part of our value proposition is that protection and planning. Many times for a lot of these products, people want a human being because of that emotional side of that. These are important topics we're talking about for their families and, and some of the most important things, including the lives of their family members and how are we going to make sure that that family goes on in its legacy. And so we believe strongly in the relationship that a local rep can have even if they don't necessarily sit in the same building and have conversations.
0: There's so much of what you said that resonates with me, everything from being one of these sort of mighty middle brands that you sit at that. We work with those kinds of companies, and I love the fact that I can sit and talk to the vice president of marketing or the CXO, you know, who really are making an impact. And I love the journey you're on from branding to CX, because I think that's so much of what the companies we're working with are striving toward. Talk a little bit about the evolution of your brand. I love that you talk about your why and your purpose as an organization, but how are you guys intentionally evolving that forward? How are you becoming even more aspirational with that brand?
1: We've had a fairly significant transition. We've got a new CEO about two years ago and he's kind of really put in place a new leadership team. And so we're on a journey of really laying out what does the next five to 10 years look like for the company. And here's here's the the challenge that was created because of of the opportunity the company did so well delivering in the very beginning. So we started as a group of farmers who got together and said, boy, we're not getting what we need. So how about a group of us work with other farmers to deliver the protection of the things that they really need in their business? And so Farmers for Farmers really is how the company got started. And so over the years, the company grew and became very successful in the state of Illinois. And then, oh gosh, I don't know, Misty, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, there was a lot of conversation about, can you sustain uh, the trajectory of the company only doing business in Illinois? And those leaders at the time had the forethought to think about, no, we need to get bigger than that. And so now we move from one state over those years to we do business in 19 states today. And so that journey was a lot of expansion. But wow. with that, I think we expanded in some markets like Chicago or Seattle or Montgomery, Alabama. These are very different markets than to a great degree, two thirds of the downstate Illinois market. And so. I would argue that we probably lost our way a little bit of knowing exactly who we are and who we were serving as a brand. And that's where the last couple of years have been re-solidifying that to say, who are we about? Who are the type of clients that we want to do business with that value what we provide? We're not trying to be the fastest growing, the largest or any of that. What we are trying to do is, as, as our team is talking about here, create and deliver memorable referable experiences to our client. And that can be as big as a moment where they unfortunately have lost their home uh, to a weather event. Or it can be they're having a problem with a bill. If you've ever had the experience, you try to call and say, I have a question my bill. And it takes you multiple calls and multiple people. We don't want to be that brand. We want to be a brand that strips through that and says, listen, Misty, what is it that you need and how can we best provide that? And I think that's what we're on a journey of now is re- coming back to the core values and roots of our brand and zeroing in on those clients who value that and then delivering it in an exceptional way.
0: For another marketer who's listening to this, talk about a little bit more about the process you went through to get there. You know, I was out on your website this weekend and I was looking at sort of the video that's on your homepage about a woman who had lost her house through a fire and I got choked up. And it's that emotion that allows you to connect with a brand, even if you're not a customer. And so talk a little bit about how you both defined the evolution of your brand and those critical touch points that you knew made a difference
1: first, I'll just say, it's a journey, misty. We're still on it and and I'm probably maybe the harshest critic of of my work and our work as anybody. Yeah. I think we have a long way to go. I think we've taken positive steps, but I'm energized by the fact that we're not where we need to be yet, and there's a yeah. huge opportunity. But that, what you just talked about is one example. I mean, if you don't get excited about being the kind of company who can help people, as I've sometimes said here, I, I heard it a long time ago in this business, if we can be the best call on your worst day, then we've done what we're supposed to do. Yeah. And that might be a loss or it might be about, well, I just had a couple of clients talk with us about, he was nearing retirement, they had worked their whole lives and they should be enjoying this moment and they were super stressed. Just not sure, where they gonna have enough? What does the future look like? You know, that that thought of there's not gonna be a paycheck coming in a week or two or a month from now. Like, what does that look like? And our financial rep was able to sit down with him, and their sense of peace and relief was palatable. I mean, it was you could hear it in their voice. You could see it in their face. And that's the stuff that that's what we're trying to deliver. So now marketing's job is how do you bring that to life in our words, in our pictures, in our in our channels so that we let you have a taste of that before you're a client? And then when you are a client, how to remind you and how are we constantly looking around the corner to say, hey, Misty, not to be annoying, but have you thought about this? You've got teenagers that pretty soon they're going to be driving. Let's start talking about that. What's that mean to you? What's that mean to them? Should we be making a few adjustments or changes? Or maybe it's just conversations that our reps sometimes have with their new drivers to talk about what this is about and the responsibility A different voice. So it, it is a journey. And I think you can't do it all at one time. Yeah, that's where sort of that data and insight of what is next most important to the client on their journey and how do we serve that up either digitally or if it's a rep phone call. I'll give you one example that's a little old school. You know, when the pandemic first started to kind of roll across the United States and things were shutting down, you know, our reps were like everybody else, unsure what's happening. They have their own offices, their own employees and really trying to figure out what's up. And one of the things we talked about was there's never been a more important time to simply make a phone call and ask your clients, how are they? Yes. And we had uh, literally dozens and dozens of reps that told stories of, and that just perpetuated is, and it fed back to us in research. You cared about me to just call and ask. And sometimes they had transactional things to do. Sometimes they talked about, boy, I lost my job. There were some real things that we we could help with. Other ways, it was just being human being to another human being when they're down or when they're worried or when they're stressed that's really what we do
0: yes yes. and
1: that's That's, what we're trying to deliver from marketing standpoint as authentically as we can
0: right yeah no and that resonates too even your employees right that's what we did we picked up the phone and we called every single employee and it made a big difference it makes you feel connected you bet
1: you bet and it's a category you know this especially on the auto side but some of the insurance stuff man, it's loud in the marketplace. So yeah. big brands have lots of money and lots of messages in the market. And the disappointing part, or maybe it's the, the space we get to play in is a lot of the messages about, listen, it's required. It doesn't matter, it's all the same. Do it yourself, do it fast, yeah. do it cheap. And you know, I, I get do it yourself and do it as inexpensively as possible. But these are things that I think you ought to spend more than five or 10 minutes thinking about your family's future. Yeah, and how you want to continue down that journey. And so we really take a different approach that is based in that. It doesn't <laughs> have to be done our way, but the reality is we, Misty, need you to articulate where are you in your journey and where do you want to be so that we can make sure, even if it's just insurance products, that we protect what you have. Because yeah. most clients don't think about if they get into a car wreck, heaven forbid that there's damage or they injure somebody else, all of the things they've worked really hard for are at risk if you don't have the proper coverage on just your car sure. and that's not what the category is talking about they're just saying it's all the same don't worry about it get it as cheaply as you can and by the way just do it yourself and so when we talk to a lot of consumers they're like yeah yeah because yeah, they've heard it so much but when you probe deeper they're like well i don't even know what i have like i don't yeah. even really understand it so i just clicked and got it i don't think that's okay
0: One of the things I love about working with B2B marketers is typically they have a complex product line. They have multiple target audiences, right? You're not only trying to pull through that end user, but to get those reps on board, sell in the right story. Talk a little bit about your strategic planning process in that and how you prioritize all those different areas of focus.
1: Yeah, no, that's a great question because it's not an easy journey to go on, of course. The first, I think, is there's this balance of who are you as a brand? Who are your clients? And so we spend a lot of time and still coming back to who are we as a brand and what do we want to be about? Because it's very easy to get distracted and just start standing up new things that really aren't on brand, but it's where everyone else is going or it seems where the client is going. So we're just being thoughtful about that. And then your other point is well taken is we have, I will call it kind of three distinct areas from a client base. We have what we will call homeowner clients, people who have you know, a, a job, a home, a car, a family, like that that homeowner client. And then we have people who own small businesses, which is sort of a unique group in and of themselves. And then we have a group that's similar to small business, but it's people who own farm. Mm. And so when we think about what is the product suite and the service suite that we want to offer, while there are some basics that fit for all three of those client types, there are also a lot of products that have to be more tailored to each of those client types. Okay. And so, That idea of what is the product offering and the service offering is a challenge in and of itself from auto and home to health insurance and life insurance products, investment products. You know, there's just a a broad crop insurance. There's just a lot of breadth to the product portfolio and therefore the expertise that we need to have. So a single rep, can they really be an expert on every single one of those things? And I think our stance on it is no, they can't. While they can go deep in some of those products, what we need to provide is expertise that they have at their disposal on any given day for any given client. And so we've got investment experts at what we call country trust bank, that this is what they do day in and day out. They invest all of the company's money, all of our client dollars and our reps work with them on an ongoing daily basis with their clients. So it's an example of, it's Mm. the same on the farm side, we've got crop specialists and farm specialists that this rep might be a great farm specialist themselves, they've got a deep expertise or bench strength to bring that forward and so what i'll come back to on the brand is understand who you are and then certainly clarifying who your clients are and what they really need and value and then the journey we're on now is how do we operationalize that as efficiently as we can as a company because you can't keep adding cost centers across the organization competitive and so that's part of the balancing act that the tough conversations we have to have as a company to follow that strategy, but to do it in a way that allows us to make money to be profitable enough so we can be here for the long haul. This is a 20, 30, 50, 70 year bet.
0: You know, I love that you said, how do we operationalize that? Because so much of the work that we do with clients is sort of that modernization effort of taking what was a tried and true historic brand built on relationships and not losing that personal touch. But like you said, you have to automate some of it so you're not continuing to add the cost. So tell us a little bit about your journey in that space.
1: We're still working on that, Misty. And I think the pandemic has been very interesting because we had this movement. And I, I think we're still there where everything is social and digital. Mm. And there's some debate about does each generation become less that way? Perhaps. I, I don't know. But probably in my lifetime, I think people will still crave what I would call more physical human connection, like not just a digital human connection, but more than that. And so I could be wrong, but I think in in my lifetime that will continue to be the case. And so we are trying to bring that as much as we can to the social and digital world. How do I say to you in a digital environment, hey Misty, you're exactly the kind of person that we want to take care of and protect in our business. But it starts with a few things that we need to just learn and understand about you. So our digital is not quick run to a quote. It's much more of, can you tell us a little bit more about you? And then as I mentioned, we still wanna have that conversation to say, whether it's a phone call or a follow-up email or a text that says, hey Misty, I just wanna make sure that I got this right. And, And so it's this blending of how do you bring the personality of the brand and what you believe to the digital and telephony world but then we're still coming back to, and by the way, there's always a human being either at the other end of the phone who knows you or your local rep who probably, or their person, the team member in their office who knows you very well. A couple of things that go into that. The first is one of the parts of what we stay, say in our, what's, what's really enriching lives and communities we serve, the backbone of our country and our success and our culture, I think community is critically important to that. So when we say we want to enrich lives, that's By doing what we do, but it's also philanthropically, we have a program called Operation Helping Heroes, and it's really about investing in those, what we call community-based occupations. And I know there are a lot of them, but think fire, EMT, police, teachers, where there are grants and there are basically investments philanthropically that our reps make into all of those organizations in their local community. Because the success of those groups is critically important to the success of the community, And then, therefore, the success to our business. It's the same with farmers. Farmers don't succeed. Our communities don't succeed. Our country doesn't succeed. Country financial doesn't succeed. And so I think that's a critical and important part rather than just, hey, we got a good price for you on a product. For sure. Very secondary, if you will. And so that's our journey. But it's not easy because, as I say, we're all busy. I get it. And who wants to sit and have a chat? But the second element of that is empathy goes a long way. You know brands who, when you talk to them, they just get you. Yeah, They know what you're going through and they're thinking about what your challenges are. They're proactively offering things for you to think about that are of value to you. That's the kind of brand that we're in the process of becoming even better at and doing that digitally and doing that through phone solutions, not just face-to-face in a rep's office.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'll own up to the fact that I'm not a country customer, but in doing my homework for today, I went out and I just Googled. And what I thought was so cool is from that very first touch point, my rep in my community showed up in search. It wasn't just the branded of the organization and pulled up his name. I know the guy, you know, he is in the parade and, and he goes to the local restaurants, you know? So I think just immediately without ever talking to a human, I saw that relationship come through. One of the questions I have for you today that I have to ask, because I feel like you're going to have a unique perspective on this, especially having been in the agency world and coming from State Farm, is that top of funnel awareness marketing. How are you guys standing out when you said there's other brands that have big budgets? You know, I feel like that's still so important.
1: It's one of those things where we have to follow it all the way through the, the, the funnel. And here's what I mean by that. The goals of this organization are very different than the goals of many of those organizations. That doesn't make one right and the other wrong. They're just extraordinarily different. And we have always grown our business, first and foremost, on referrals. And mm-hmm. so being very focused on who it is that we believe we can help the best, who is our core client and core prospect we're focusing on, and then how do we serve them so well that when we ask for a referral or sometimes they don't even have to ask, they're saying, man, you know, I got a friend Misty who she would love what you guys do. I didn't know someone did this kind of thing. And I bet she would be a great person that you got, need to spend some time with. And so that's really at the core of every bit of marketing we do, whether it's top of funnel, mid or even at the bottom. In fact, one of the things that uh, our reps offer is what we call an annual review. Okay. Just really a, And it's not a very good name We're we're thinking about <laughs> marketing centric, but I mean, as I tell reps that sometimes they get beat up a lot in the marketplace, they hear the noise and the message from the competitors. They, they get, hey, your price is $42 higher than the competitor. It's just, I get it. You know, I've been in sales in my career. I know that you can get down a little bit. And one of the things that I like to say to them is this, listen, at the end of the day, if you serve your clients and if you talk with them on an ongoing basis to make sure they're taken care of that will win the day. And here's what I mean. That annual review. Do you have a pet, Misty? I do. I
0: have a dog, Chase.
1: And and so does Chase get a checkup every year? Of course. So when's the last time you sat down and did a checkup about your financial plan for the rest of your life and your family, (laughs) right?
0: Probably not often enough.
1: Well, and I'm not trying to point (laughs) it out to you. That's all of us, right? We won't miss that annual checkup for our dog or our cat. But we put our family's finances or our personal finances on the back burner that we will always get to it. Right. And so part of what I say to them is if you can deliver on that and be, you know, don't be annoying, but be persistent to say, Misty, I really think we have to sit down and just make sure we have this conversation because I don't sleep at night if you're not where you need to be or on track to where you're trying to be. And P.S. When we do that, how hard is it to say, Misty, has this been helpful? Right. Yeah, right, it's been helpful. If there's any time when you have someone, or even today, if there's someone you'd like me to reach out to or have them call me, please, let's do that. Just simple things like that. And then we follow that up with an email or a piece of mail saying, thanks very much, Misty. Oh, by the way, remember, if you know anyone, give us a call. Or how about a review? It's just prompting in an ongoing basis. That's the entire point of it is if we show people who we are at the top of the funnel, some of them will want in and they'll come funnel with us. And then we just have to get the operating part of the business right. The right price matters. We've got to make sure we're a, a great value to people. The service matters. We've got to show up and pay a claim if we can prevent a claim, all those things. And then investment advice, our group is is uh, second to none. I've, I've been ex- extremely excited about all the work that they're doing for our clients. So we got to deliver on that for sure.
0: We'll get back the rest of the interview in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Symantle. I happen to know a thing or two about them because I'm one of the owners. Simantle is an industrial consumer marketing firm with an obsessive focus on customer experience. We not only execute killer marketing campaigns, but we help organizations align around goals, audiences, messages, channels, and tactics to create more than campaigns, but programs that align to business strategies. Symantle has 40 years experience crafting positive, engaging customer experiences at every point in the consumer journey. And if you like what you hear on this podcast, head to samanl.com slash blog for more content. You'll find articles, tips and tricks, do-it-yourself tools, webinars, and more to help you keep learning and growing right along with us. I definitely want to dig into a little bit about you as a leader. Uh, When I set out to do these discussions, it was as much about marketing as understanding the humans on the other side and what's important to them. So talk to me a little bit about how you lead your team. What are some core beliefs that you hold in driving success for the organization as you try to set vision and bring people along? And what are some nuggets of advice that you have learned through the years that you'd like to pass on to others?
1: Yeah, gosh, it's um, even as I was thinking about this, it's it's humbling. One of the things I try to live by, which I fail at every day, is first only say things that are true necessary and kind yeah it's easy if that was an or in there but it's not (laughs) so easy when it's an and sure there are very few things that meet all three criteria that need to be said it would be a much quieter world if we all could apply that filter
0: i struggle with that a lot and candidly
1: what might be the most difficult is necessary Mm. it might be true And it might even be kind or not kind, although kind in this world we live in today seems to be a lost grace. But is it necessary? I think in business, we get caught up in doing things all the time that aren't necessary. Mm -hmm. I think marketing sometimes overinflates something because we think we have to make it super sophisticated. And the reality is, if you just wrote down and sent a handwritten note to a prospect or a client, said, Misty, I was really thinking about you after what we talked about the other day. And I just need you to know that I I love the journey you're on. And if there's anything I can do to help, great. Like just the very simple things that are, I think, necessary. Yeah. And they're both true and kind. And so that's the first thing. Again, I I fail at it every day. My wife would tell you that too. (laughs) Uh, But I, again, try to apply that. The second thing is I have made this mistake. And I think companies inherently sometimes celebrate people. And if you're not careful, you can buy into that. There are a lot of things in the world that are false narratives, but this one in particular that, Misty, you are the reason for our success. Mm. I mean, we could not be here without you. And whether that's true or not, you cannot b- buy into that. And, and what it what it does is it starts to have you believe you are the answer to the problem. Yeah. You are the solution when there is an opportunity or issue that needs to be solved, up to and including you have a difficult time developing and leading leaders if you think you are the only leader who can be the one to fix the problem and solution. And listen, when you're working for great big brands and you hit it out of the park and they're celebrating you, it is very difficult to keep focused on what really matters which is if you can lead your team to this understanding and awakening about where you're trying to go and what greatness looks like Man, I'll tell you, and I'm sure you've experienced this, Misty, is there's nothing better as a leader. Yeah. So What I have decided is this, I need to set out what the picture of greatness looks like for them in very clear, understandable words. And if I fail at that, nothing else is going to make us great. So that's my job to articulate that. The second piece of that is every one of them needs to see and see value in their role in getting there. Because there's nothing like being on a team that's great and you don't feel like you have a role on it. Then what you do is you either check out or maybe you become cancerous and try to chip away at it because you don't really, that's human nature. Yeah. So everybody has to hit it out of the park in their particular role for us to be great. And then the last piece is, it's not my job to scold. It's my job to try to invest and coach. And we have a saying here, you coach up.
0: Yeah.
1: You have to coach out. But coaching out isn't meant to say you are not a good person. I think coaching out here is a lot of time coaching you out of an environment where you're not succeeding into an environment where you can. And so those are things that that I think have been just for me, learnings along the way that I still stumble on.
0: I know some of the people that work for you, Tim, and they like working for you. So you seem like the kind of leader that really knows how to move the organization forward. One final question before I let you go. What's something you're struggling with that you could use advice from others on right now?
1: Here's what it is for me. I read a book by the founder of Patagonia. I don't know if you heard it. It's Let My People Go Surfing. And then I'm also just finishing a book called Tattoos on the Heart. And what both of these things are challenging me to think of is, I, as I said, I love who we are as a brand and what we do. But this idea of for what, like, what is it all in service of as a leader at the end of the day? What is all of that leadership is about? Is it selling another insurance policy? Is it so that someone could get a promotion or is there something deeper? And for me, I think I've started to craft in my head what that something deeper is. But, you know, my struggle is how do I bring that to work? sure and make it my primary focus while at the same time listen we got to grow and we got to grow profitably. you got to add more prospects and clients and value the organization that's what i'm thinking about or what i'm struggling with is what it, how am i going to take greatness to a whole new level once we even just get this machine fired
0: yeah well i will definitely take that thought and pass it on to our next interviewee for sure because it's something i struggle with how do i bring my personal passion and purpose into my work and then make sure i'm doing good for other humans right that's what it's all about at the end of the day well, Tim, we are up in time. Thank you so much. I've learned a ton from you today and I, I hope that we can keep in touch. You and I have I, a lot in common.
1: Yeah, no, I, I hope so too. And really, I appreciate uh, appreciate the time, humbled by the opportunity, truly. So oh. uh, thank you very much. It was great talking with you, Mister.
0: Country Financial offers a range of insurance and financial products in 19 states, and they have been award-winning for customer satisfaction. It's clear to see that their success is in large part driven by their passionate leadership. After spending an hour with Tim for this interview, it's easy to see why he's a big part of that equation. Throughout my interview with Tim, I found that we have a lot in common, from our growth-minded journeys at work, to our leadership style, to our family values at home. I'm so grateful I got this time to get to know him and understand his exciting new ventures. I'm so glad we also get to work alongside a company who has a culture of giving back and putting the customer first. We will make sure to post Tim's LinkedIn profile and reference the country financial website at marketingsweats.com. And if you also go there, you can browse all of our episodes from season one to season four and download the ones you like. Again, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe, and of course, review. Talk soon, marketers.